few of us know the pressures of being in Kansas City's biggest political hot seat, for the first time ever our four immediate past mayors come together to lift up the hood on the frustrations, constraints and challenges of running the city. This hour we leave the studio and head to the Plaza Library as we look back and consider Kansas City's future with Sly James, Kay Barnes, Emmanuel Cleaver and Mark Funkhauser. As one guy told me, Mr. Mayor, before you came, they were taking money out of the city with both hands and now they can only take it out with one hand because they got to fight you off. I was known and I will fight to my dying breath to oppose this queen of TIFF. Understand that people are never going to like everything you do. We're partnering this hour with the Kansas City Public Library and the Citizens Association, and we get to hear from you straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America NA co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome. Do you have what it takes to lead Kansas City? Every week I hear from viewers who tell me if I was the one in charge, we wouldn't have this crime problem. We wouldn't have those potholes. Now, the only obstacle, of course, is those individuals um, didn't actually get off the sofa to ever run for office or collect any money or get tens of thousands of people uh, to vote for them you are going to be experiencing four people who went through all of that and who understand the pressures, the constraints, the limitations, the challenges of being in Kansas City's biggest political hot seat. Please welcome to our stage the four immediate past mayors of Kansas City, first elected in 2007, Mark Funkhauser, and the man who succeeded him, Sly James. The only woman ever to be elected Kansas City Mayor, Kay Barnes. And stuck, stuck in Washington is the man who went from the pressure cooker of the mayor's office to the calm and serenity of Congress, Emmanuel Cleaver. Congressman Cleaver. Congressman Cleaver. You mean to tell us that staying in Washington to try and stop a worldwide economic calamity if the Congress doesn't raise the debt ceiling is better than being with us here at the Kansas City Plaza Library? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I would love to be here dealing with uh, many of the people that um, I would prefer not to uh, sit next to. Uh, <laughs> and I would always prefer to be in, in uh, Kansas City. With, with my, my colleagues, uh, uh, former mayors, uh, this is not one of the places of great joy, but uh, we, we, we've got some business that we have to take care of, and so that's, that's exactly where it is. I apologize. I, I, we're, I'm in the Capitol right now. We just finished a round of 23 votes. I have, 20, uh, I have two amendments, and I have two, two amendments, so I'm not going to be able to stay throughout the program. I apologize, but you, you have all these smart guys up there on the stage. Uh, they can answer uh, uh, everything uh, that you, you, you remotely suggest. They have all of the answers right there on that stage. I, I, I know we have all the answers. I'm, w I'm wondering, do you miss being mayor of Kansas City or are the perks and pay of Congress a much better deal for you, Congressman Cleaver? 
I tell you, the the, uh, <laughs> the work as the mayor of, of Kansas City uh, places people on center stage of the Kansas City drama. Uh, mayors uh, are, are are impacted, and then they can impact. Uh, one of the things that I think uh, uh, happens when you're mayor is that you, you go to the grocery store, you go to the uh, drugstore, uh, you go to a mall, anywhere you go, uh, you're going to find your constituents, and they're going to be uh, certainly feeling comfortable in approaching you and asking you uh, to do something or, or chastising you for not doing something. Uh, in, in, in Congress, uh, you can, I mean, I can go to stores and restaurants and so forth uh, here in Washington uh, without that happening. Here, uh, there are people who come here uh, for the purpose of being disrupted. It gets you on the evening news. Uh, every uh, audience on uh, cable TV will know who you are. Uh, that does not happen at the certainly at the uh, the, the level that uh, I've seen it here in Kansas City. Thank you, McLeaver. I know you may be weaving in and out with us, but I'm gonna. I'm, you're welcome back at any point during this conversation. But we know, of course, you went from the mayor's office to Congress. Now, all of our mayors on stage have their groupies, of course, and some people in our audience really follow every twist and turn of City Hall, but most of us have no clue what actually happens. We don't follow every single political leader who ever walks through Kansas City. So just very quickly, Mark Funkhauser, you left office in 2011. It's been almost a decade. What happened to you? What happened after that? Well, I went to work for Governing Magazine, which covered state and local government. And I was the publisher there. Um, and uh, then uh, they closed the magazine in uh, 2019, August. In October, I started my own little company with a bunch of other folks from uh, governing. And we have Funkhauser and Associates. And basically, the day to day work is we talk to and write about local government. Now, you said when you left office, this was the greatest job you've ever had in your life and the most difficult job you ever had in your life. Do you still miss it? I do miss many aspects of it, yes. There are some aspects I do not miss. Kay Barnes, you are known, of course, as the person who revitalized downtown, brought a Sprint Center, the Power and Light District. When you left office, uh, you made an unsuccessful run for Congress. What has happened since then? Are you here tonight? to be able to announce you're running for governor of Missouri. <laughs> if Sly will be my campaign manager. <laughs> well, I still am affiliated with Park University, have been since 2007, and thoroughly enjoy working with senior staff and leadership at Park University. It's a wonderful place, so I'm enjoying that. I'm on a couple of boards, so I'm keeping busy. You are a professor of public leadership at Park University. Yes. Now, not all of us, of course, have the funds to go off and go get a college tuition and go off to college. What's the juiciest piece of advice that you offer the students who come through your program about your time as mayor of Kansas City? I suggest to them that if they have any interest in politics at all, that they consider running for elected office. If not, to get involved in campaigns on particular issues they care a great deal about. To be good listeners. To not be afraid to speak up, speak out, make some mistakes. 
Behind us is a picture of the streetcar you will see there. And that under Sly James's watch, we brought the streetcar to Kansas City. And under you, um, Sly James, we started work on the brand new airport, which is going to open in just a, a few weeks' time. You've been out of office now for four years. Many people thought you would be running for higher elected office. Uh, have you got an announcement to make that you may be seeking uh, a potential bid against Josh Hawley or succeeding Mike Parson as governor of Missouri? I do have an announcement to make. There's no way in hell. <laughs> do you miss the job of mayor? Uh, no, I don't. I do miss... <laughs> Okay. Now, now, it's not because I didn't enjoy it. It's not because I, didn't, I don't appreciate the value and the things you're able to do. I just have a very basic philosophy. If you're spending your time missing something, you're not enjoying what's ahead. I don't have time to look back. We're doing too much looking forward. Uh, and that's the only way you can avoid bumping into stuff. I do miss, however, the parking. <laughs> What, what pesky issues did you wrestle with as mayor that you were surprised? And I'm going to start with you, uh, Manuel Cleaver. What pesky issue did you work with as mayor that you're surprised that we're still finding is a huge problem today in Kansas City that we still haven't fixed? Well, when, when, uh, on the first day I was sworn in, uh, we knew, knew that we were having a problem with the Housing Authority. And the second week I was there, the United States government put the uh, housing authority in receivership. But the problem of housing, affordable housing, was a problem on my first day. It was a problem on my last day. It is a problem this day. And uh, it, it, it is a very difficult problem to solve because there's a lot of sociology involved. Uh, and frankly, there is some prejudice involved. There's some uh, cowardice involved as it relates to trying to uh, do the kind of zoning that we need to do to make sure that uh, people uh, will have the opportunity to live in all parts of the community in, in decent housing. And then the federal government doesn't do uh, what it should do. Uh, I, I've chaired the housing committee up for the last two years, uh, up until last two weeks ago. Uh, and so, you know, we, we are woefully inadequate as a federal government uh, in giving the dollars and in public housing authorities that they need. I've gone on tours of public housing in Washington, in New York, uh, and I'm telling you the problems that, that, that we see in Kansas City exist in every major city in this country with affordable housing. Maybe the worst is in Los Angeles. If you've been to Skid Row, if you haven't, you don't want to go and see it. It looks like a third world country. What about for you, Mark Funkow? So what is the issue you wrestled with that you're surprised is still a huge issue in Kansas City today? Public safety and crime. Uh, you focus on that uh, during my time. Uh, we had a 20-year low in violent crime in Kansas City, uh, but it's back, and it's back about as bad as it's been, and you, it's just one of those things that you have to focus on all the time. Okay, we ha happen to have with us a lot of elected leaders. It's a cavalcade of stars, actually, in the audience. Mayor Quinta Lucas is with us. Uh, Jackson County Executive Frank White. Lots of members of the City Council are with us. Too many to mention. So we have them all here. What's your advice, though, on what the best way to try to fix that issue? Well, on, on crime, it's, there are three things. Uh, first, you need to do those sort of uh, intervention programs. Things uh, we had uh, aim for peace, uh, now we're talking about KC360. The problem is we haven't done them in a sustained and well-funded way. The second thing that you need to do is you need to focus on the case clearance rates. And not, not just for homicide, but for every violent crime, for rape, for assault. 
those, you know, when you're looking at the police department and you're measuring the police department's performance, the case clearance rate is absolutely critical. And then the third thing that you need to have, you need to have a very strong, tight relationship between the police and the citizens. Police tend to be insular. They tend to form a culture that looks inside, and that doesn't work. They need to be connected to the community. What are we still dealing with in Kansas City, Mayor Barnes, that you wrestled with, you couldn't solve, and I'm really kind of surprised after all this time, we're still facing in Kansas City as a huge issue? I think it's <clears throat> adequate development and redevelopment on the eastern side of the city. Uh, it is an area, though, that I regret I was not able to do more with. I, 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 I want to know why, though. You, you sort of got the rap. You did all of this stuff downtown, and some people felt that you were the downtown mayor. You ignored other parts of Kansas City. That might be totally unfair, of course. But why, why has it been a, a, a still an issue that it is when there's money available, it never seems to quite get to the east side of Kansas City? Well, when you say money is available, I wish that were true in the sense of developers in the private sector willing to take the higher risks of working with the public sector on development projects. That does not mean it can't be done. It is challenging. It's difficult. I'm hoping that the atmosphere is such at this day and age that it is more likely to continue to build in that direction than it has in the past. You can't talk about the east side not being developed without recognizing the racial issues in this city. Period. End of story. Okay? That's, that's part of it right there. All right? But I want to get back to the question that you asked about issues that we worked on that were not resolved. We have not done a good enough job, or even frankly an adequate job, of taking care of that group of very special people who are between the age of zero and five in this city. Period. End of story. You want to wipe out, you want to reduce crime, you want to reduce poverty, you want to reduce drains on social services, we need to do better with our children. If we don't take care of those kids, and do that now, we will continue to have the same problems that we have. These are all chronic issues that we have never found or been willing to work on sustainable solutions to resolve. That's the main thing in my mind. When you were mayor of Kansas City, and you remember this, um, you were be being blamed for what was happening with the school district. And at that time, you were calling for the mayor's office to actually take over responsibility. Uh, no, I wasn't. You're wrong. I was being blamed for it, but I wasn't calling for it. Other people were calling for, for you, it. For the mayor to take over the, the school district? Absolutely. But you never wanted that? Oh, I didn't care one way or the other. What it, I you know, in was, Chicago, for instance, the mayor controls the school district. Well, there's a lot of places where that's true. But what I wanted was something to be done to improve the quality of the system. I wanted accountability. We continue to change, turn out kids who are unprepared for today's world. And we just blink an eye. Those of us who have means and opportunity and live in nice places, not a problem for us. But the problem is, is that 30 or 40 percent of the rest of the population don't have those opportunities, and they're the ones that we're going to need to keep things going. And we are not doing it at all because we have not developed the political guts to do what we need to do for the kids of this community, period. A story... A story in the Kansas City Star a few years ago claimed Kansas City mayors get too much credit when things go well and too much blame when they don't. 
uh, Funkhauser, what was the biggest issue you believe you were unfairly blamed for when you served as mayor? Un unfairly blamed yes. for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I don't have much of a list there. Can People, I provide one? <laughs> I, I didn't hear that. I, all right. You were blamed, of course, for giving your wife a senior job in your administration. If you had the chance to do it all over again, would you have kept Gloria at home? I would have kept her in the mayor's office as I did. Okay, so you, you, you I, not I have wouldn't change that at all. That was that was a side story that was developed to divert attention from the real issue was money and power and prestige. I was trying to do the kinds of things that Sly correctly identified. It's race and it's the east side and trying to trying to work on that. And I was uh, as one guy told me, he said. I said, why is, the, uh, is it so vitriolic? Why am I being hit so hard? And he said, Mr. Mayor, before you came, they were taking money out of the city with both hands, and now they can only take it out with one hand because they've got to fight you off. That's, it's all about money and power. Mayor Barnes, what were you blamed unfairly for in your judgment as mayor of Kansas City? I was known by a few and I will fight to my dying breath to oppose this, Queen of Tiff. Yes, yes, it is. And, and I saw one comment, which I, I found here, that you were giving away tax breaks like Tic Tacs, or something <laughs> completely unfair, Mayor Bonds. But there were concerns about the Power and Light District, that Kansas City is still, after all of that investment, having to support millions of dollars to pay off the debt in the district that happened during your watch, and it will not be paid off the debt until 2040, about 20 years from now. In hindsight, would you have done anything differently there? I'm not sure what might have been done differently other than to have forecast the economic downturn that occurred that precipitated much of what you're referring to. I think the advantages, the pluses, far, far outweigh any negatives, and I would challenge anyone who would suggest that that was money misspent because if you look at all of the development and redevelopment jobs that have been created and so on as a result of those projects, we are much better off as a city than we would have been otherwise. You were quoted as saying, I think there's a misconception among some in our community that economic development is only about money going to developers. Nothing could be further from the truth, what is closer to the truth? Municipalities have two ways to have m enough money to address neighborhood needs, to fund the police and all of the other needs that a municipality is responsible for. Two ways, one is through economic development, investment and the generating of taxes that go into the city coffers or raising our individual taxes to such a point that nobody would want or could afford to live in the city. That's simply the reality we have to deal with. Granted, there need to be parameters, and yet if I have a fear, it's not that we do too much development, it's that we close the doors too quickly. Mayor James, yeah. what were you unfairly blamed for as mayor? I want to know who wrote that quote that you read. <laughs> the which one? 
the one about mayors are too often get credit for things and get blamed for it. It, it was an editorial in the Kansas City uh -huh. Star about That's six why years I ago. didn't see it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, let me let me say this. You know, I'm going to come to her defense, and I'm always going to come to her defense because I remember what downtown looked like before she got her hands on. Okay, it was a cesspool. It was strip clubs. It was haunted houses. It was vacant parking lots with oil stains and rusted metal rope where nobody wanted to be after five o'clock. I moved my office downtown in 2002 after Kate Barnes had been doing stuff, and I ran across the street naked, nobody knew, and there's no pictures to prove it. And because there was nobody there. There was nobody there. Here's the thing that happened from when, when the stadiums were built, when the airport was built, when all that stuff was done, people said, oh, we've done enough, and they stopped. And downtown went down the hill. Downtown is the heart of this city, it is the economic engine that pumps blood to the extremities. If you don't have an engine that's pumping blood to the extremities, the extremities will die. I give Kay Barnes tons of credit for having the guts to take the crap from people who didn't know diddly or tax incentives or tiff from abatements to do what she did because if she hadn't done it, we'd still be looking at a downtown that sucked and didn't do anything. So give her some credit for what Absolutely. she did. Absolutely. By the way, you have a chance to ask your own questions, and we're going to be giving you that opportunity. But we're not looking for lectures. You should be able to ask a question in about 20 seconds or less. And it should end with something that asks, gives the opportunity for people to answer it. So that will be coming up in just a moment. We'll take care of that for you. But I'm interested, Mark Funkhauser, in your very first uh, State of the City address, you said you'd have a laser beam focus on basic services in Kansas City. And one of your personal missions, you said at that time, was to get rid of, quote, those blasted metal plates from our roads. Well, I, passed f I went through five of those on the way to the Plaza Library today. What happened, do you think? Quentin Lucas problem. <laughs> it, it's, you know, basic services is not a one and done thing. Okay. It's something that has to happen every day. You, so we did get all the metal plates up, or 90% of them, and you know, I'm a data guy. We had the data. Yes, they were up. But of course they come back if you don't keep working at it. We have a huge change going on in City Hall this year. Half the City Council, because of term limits, will be heading out the door, some of the biggest names on the Council. We have 40 candidates running for office. And our friends at the Citizens Association, who is partnering with us at this event, were worried because a lot of the folks who are running, they should be running for Congress, they said. They should be running for the state legislature because many of the issues they're campaigning on have nothing to do with City Hall. So what's your best advice, starting with you, Kay Barnes, to a candidate who wants to be successful serving on the City Council? And you were a City Council member prior to actually being elevated to the Mayor's office. I would say, listen pay attention, understand what you don't know, don't be afraid to ask questions, and have a passion about your city. I've been really pleased as I've met some of the candidates in this particular election coming up in a few months. 
the ones I've talked with in depth are passionate about the city. That's the bottom line. You have to care. And you have to care pretty deeply because the challenges that you will face, many of them are unanticipated. Be open to working with other council members, with the mayor, and be very cautious about burning bridges with people because I can almost guarantee that a week later, a month later, or a year later, that individual is going to be an important part of an equation for you. Mayor James, uh, now that you're out of office and as a consultant, you're paid to offer your advice, but can you offer some free advice to some of the candidates in this room right now who are running for council about how they can be successful? Seems like an oxymoron. You say I was paid, now you want me to do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can. Number one, look up the definition of politician and then look up the definition of public servant. You will find they are not the same. Be a public servant, not a politician. Number two, never take a vote that the next morning you wake up and say, I wish I hadn't, okay? Number three, understand that people are never going to like everything you do. And if you spend too much time trying to please people, it's going to bite you in the butt. You can stand on the street corner as a mayor or a city council person handing out $20 bills. 30% of the people will say thank you. 30% of the people will say it should have been a 50, and 30% of the people will say, my gosh, why are you handing out money? And the other 10% will just not know what the hell to do. <laughs> Mayor Funkhauser. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll betray my own predilections, which is pay attention to the money, because nothing else works if the money isn't right. You, know, you can't take care of all the other stuff that you want to do if you haven't focused on the money and the other things that I talked about, the ba basic day-to-day -day work. Let Congress, Mayor Cleaver, Congressman Cleaver, let those folks deal with whatever they're dealing with. You've got to deal with the stuff that's right here in your neighborhood, in your town, what your, your, your neighbors want you to do. The list of issues facing the next mayor and council are very long. Uh, we've heard about crime already. Uh, and we also heard from Emmanuel Cleaver talking about the affordable housing issue. But also big-ticket items like deciding on a possible new downtown ballpark. Mayor Barnes, some people may not remember that you were under pressure to get behind a downtown ballpark while you were mayor nearly 20 years ago. At that time, you said, quote, no thanks, it would be better to renovate the existing stadiums. Do you still feel that way? The reason I may have said that at the time was because we had an owner who refused to be open to the possibility. That was the bottom line. It didn't make any difference what the rest of us thought. He was very uh, friendly ab about his opposition. It was not a, a hostile kind of situation, and yet he was not there. I think now is the time to look at it seriously. Uh, whatever the end result will be, uh, will be hotly debated, I'm sure, over the next several months at least, and that's okay. That's part of what democracy is all about. Ned James, what was your impression of that? Now you're out of the mayor's office about a downtown ballpark. Well, I co-chaired the renovation campaign committee with Albert Reeder when it was going through, so I went and spoke more times than I really needed to to people around this entire community about those stadiums and the need for renovations. Renovations are great. You know, we, we have a house, we renovate it, and then 10, 15 years later we say, 
yeah, this renovation ain't working quite the way that we want it to, and we move. Um, I think that there is a very valid reason to give serious consideration to moving. I also think people ought to pay attention to the overall situation. There are two teams at that complex. What happens with one will have a major impact on the other. You can't separate the two. They're both under the same lease. They're both looking for the same thing. They are both talking about stadium issues. Be careful what you wish for. You may throw out one and, get, and wind up with none. At the end of the day, there is always reason to improve your lot. One of the reasons we got into the situation where we had to do something drastic downtown was because we refused to build as we went. We took a hiatus from improving, and it hurt us, and it cost us more in the long run. And it wasn't her fault. It was the fault of the fact that nobody has taken, was taking care of the baby during the whole thing in the first place. We're in the same situation now. We should not be afraid of change, and we should never, ever be afraid of improving this city because this city is worth improving every single day. Mayor Funkhauser, you mentioned that the advice for candidates is watch the money. So how do you come down on the idea of a downtown ballpark? Well, this will not shock you. I would not spend a dime of public money. I would welcome private investment, yes, fine. Uh, and maybe help with zoning and whatever other, but I wouldn't spend a dime. I mean, Nick, if you look at the issues, crime, housing, street, uh, street maintenance, none of the, you know, economic development. Economic development needs to happen by attracting people. None of that stuff is addressed or solved by where you put the baseball stadium. If you've got questions, we're happy to hear from you. It seems Kansas City's most ambitious ideas are being thwarted by state lawmakers in Jefferson City, from police funding to gun laws, even local cities' ability to ban things like uh, disposable plastic bags. Now that you're out of office, is there a better way you can suggest for Kansas City to get more of what it wants from a Republican-controlled legislature 150 miles away, Mayor Barnes? When I think back on our efforts to get state approval for uh, an issue to go on the ballot to generate money, particularly for infrastructure for the downtown revitalization. We spent, and I mean we, including 10, 12, 15 of us, spent an unbelievable, as I look back now, amount of time in Jefferson City talking with legislators one-on-one, -on -one, in depth conversations, people who were experts in the finances representing our perspective, sat down with people who were representing rural parts of the state. And I think that made all the difference was building those relationships. Building those relationships with people who typically would not understand what, quote, a big city would want or need. They came out of those discussions, though, after months and months of effort, having a clear enough understanding that they were willing to give us the approval to ask the voters for those changes. It was all about relationships. It seems like that it seems to be a constant sense of restraint that, that Kansas City can't do certain things because of the state legislature. Is it a better way of working with them, Mayor James? Uh, yeah, Kansas City ought to break away from the state of Missouri and become its own fiefdom. 
Um, you know, when Mayor Barnes was mayor, Jefferson City wasn't the Jefferson City that it is today. Congress wasn't the Congress that it is today. Politics wasn't the politics that it is today. Now it's all about us versus them. And a lot of the decisions that are made are made for political reasons. And Jefferson City, a lot of the folks there see Kansas City as a threat, a, a, a group of democratic leaning people that do not serve their purposes. They've been hostile, and I think one of the things that made them hostile was the school desegregation case. Uh, they were exceptionally mad about that, and it's carried on. If you spend any recent time in Jefferson City, you will note the hostility that exists between the legislature in Kansas City and the legislature in St. Louis because the cities are not kind to their political beliefs. I think there is one thing that we can do and that is to try to do everything we can to bring balance to the legislature so that we do not have a situation where there is not a single, not a single statewide office holder who is a Democrat, not a single one, in a state where there has never been an African-American elected to statewide office, in a state where everything that happens is veto-proof, that type of power yeah. will corrupt. No, knowing all of those things, why, why didn't you run for office statewide? Because I have absolutely no desire to have my family threatened and do all the nonsense that you have to do in order to be in political office. Plus, the best you can do in Jefferson City now as a Democrat or anybody who's not a conservative Republican is try to stop bad stuff from happening. And thank God there's enough people down there trying to do that. But I really do not have the personality to engage in the long-term <laughs> arguments because at some point, if there's a sharp object around, somebody might get hurt. All right, all right. Uh, Mayor Funkhauser, you actually have clients who are uh, local cities and things, and they uh, must be wrestling with state legislatures too. First, what, what Kay said about relationships is absolutely right. You, and, and, and you can't, and she also said, don't burn your bridges. So, you, you know, those, those are two key things. And, and then what Sly said, he's right, it's worse. My advice to folks is uh, the three things. First, look at the evidence, make a solid case for the evidence, and then choose an anecdote, a story that fits the ideology of the people you're trying to persuade in those one-on-one -on -one conversations. Evidence, anecdotes, ideology. You're not gonna change the ideology. If they're, if, if they're you know, um, Red state, deep, um, Trumper, you're not going to change that. However, you know, you can, you can find a switch if you look hard and you work at it that, that works, stories that work with them. You're talking about a divide here between the state and the city, but there is a divide that's also taking place and seems to be increasing right here in our own city limits. Uh, and that's that division and tensions between Kansas City north of the river and Kansas City south of the river. And Mayor Lucas, I saw on your, one of your tweets recently, you said Kansas City south of the river continues to average a population decline of roughly 1,000 residents per year. Was that an issue you had to wrestle with when you were Mayor uh, Kay Barnes? And, and how do you resolve that difference? I think it would bubble up periodically, perhaps around a specific issue. However, again, I'm not being too much of a Pollyanna when I say this. If we focus on that, quote, divide, and everybody's talking about the divide, 
then the divide increases. And what I made an effort to do, and I certainly know my staff did, and I think many of the council members with whom I served, we would try to go beyond that and spend time in the Northland, spend time south, look at what was being dealt with that was in common often between both, quote, parts of the city. So dwelling too much on that supposed divide, even though it was there to some extent, I think only exacerbated it. How, how did you experience that north-south divide, if at all, Mayor James, and how do you better heal that tension? And we saw it, for instance, on the police funding vote just recently in the last election. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was running, I used to tell people that truce was not the, the Maginot Line and the river was not the Rubicon. We could cross both with, and feel safe in doing so. Uh, I now live north of the river, which is quite a switch. It's, it's a suburban feel, and I have to come south every now and then to get my injection of, of, uh, of uh, uh, asphalt and, and fluorescent light. But I, I remember when I, was, when I was in office, I made a point of going north of the river. And I was always, I was always tickled by the fact that when I would go north, people say, oh my gosh, you're north of the river, it's so good to see you. I said, well, I had to come up and see you because you never come to see me, <laughs> okay? Look, we are all one city and we are going, and, and we cannot let what happens in this country happen in this city where we divide ourselves to such an extent that we become warriors and defenders of our turf because we will fail and it will be miserable. This city will only succeed when people understand that we rise or we fall together. And we get to choose. We can either rise or we can fall. But we can't do it as long as we are making North and South like some civil war, some sort of a big issue. Are there issues that affect the North differently? Yeah, there are. Can they be resolved? Yeah, they can. But we have to be about resolving issues, not talking about how big they are. Mayor Funkhauser. Well, the, these issues of trust and uh, distrust and division are uh, across the country, in city after city. And it's, it's a, basically, it's a, it's a new responsibility that city leaders have. It's not only do you have to fix the potholes and plow the snow and everything else, but you've got to work constantly to develop uh, trusting relationships between your residents as well as between uh, them and, and you and city government. If you run for council and you get elected, part of your job is to keep knitting the community together because there are a lot of forces trying to pull it apart. If you're mayor, it's part of your job, trying to knit the community together. And you're, you know, again, it's across the United States. It's something that's happening everywhere. We'd love to hear from you, and we're going to hear from you, sir. Thank yes, you for your yes, patience. Sir. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Uh, my question involves the local control of the uh, Kansas City Police Department. How do you all feel about that issue, and what did you try to do when you was mayor? Thank you for taking my question. Thank you. Who would like to answer that question? Mayor James. I firmly believe in local control of the police department. Uh, I, I said when I was on the police board, that if they ever tried to go to Jefferson City and pass the legislation that they did pass that allowed police officers to live outside the city, that I would basically burn their houses down. 
I didn't want to be a terrorist, but I felt that strongly about it. You should not have a badge and a gun in our city if you don't think enough of it to actually live there. Okay? I set up, I set up, I set up a commission to, that included members of the uh, uh, FOP, uh, citizens, retired police officers, other folks in the community to try to find a way to do that. And we thought we had a deal until a couple of people at the last minute switched up on us and it didn't happen. But right now this city has no control over how they police. What we have control over is the checkbook. And that's about it. So yes, local control is a must in my mind. Matt Funkhauser. Absolutely. You, you, you can't be the only city in the country that doesn't have a, you know, it's a city of a half million people and you don't have your own police department? Sir, we're ready for your question. Yeah, thank you all for being here. Uh, my question is in regards to public transportation. I think particularly in light of Warren Buffett's letter to the city of Omaha about their streetcar project, I'm curious uh, how you all see the future of our public transportation. Look, uh, public transportation is one of the pillars of equity. If people can't get from their homes to jobs and other places, then they cannot be equal. We have to have quality public transportation. We have to recognize that not everybody is going to be able to go out and lease a car every three years. Number two, we have the best streetcar system in the country right now. The best. Hands down, ain't even close. And I can prove it because I can go show, show you a bunch of mayors who tried to emulate it and put a fare on it, and it ain't working. Mayor Bonds. We need to, as rapidly as possible, add those lines along Independence Boulevard and also on 18th Street into the eastern part of the city because that's where the highest public transportation usage is. How, how about to the stadiums, which was served. one proposal, Matt Balance? Beg your pardon? Take, taking the streetcar to the stadiums, which was one proposal. I'm concerned about Independence Boulevard and 18th Street. We tried that. We tried that. The only the mistake that we made was we did it. We went too fast, but we went fast because we knew our our audience in D.C. was very favorably disposed to it, and it didn't work. But we wanted to go to on Limwood from Main Street to Prospect so that we could do something with the Limwood Shopping Center, which we bought, by the way, that's on the east side. And we actually bought that thing so that we could put a decent grocery store in there. Uh, that's the city that did that now. It wasn't some ferry that came down and did it. The city actually did that. And we wanted to do something on independence because we knew it would bring economic activity there. And it was, it was not passed. And it's going to be much more difficult to do it in the future. You have always, again, been about the smart money, Mayor Funkhauser. So how does that sit with you? The trouble with, with the, the streetcar as it is now and, and other things that we've done is that they're too small to actually have an impact. It needs to be a lot bigger. And, and again, Sly's right, it is a key to equity. If people can't get around, they can't get to work, they can't take the kid to daycare, they can't shop, all that, you know, you, you know and, and cities across the country. Well, why didn't you do the streetcar when you were there? I thought it was, uh, to use uh, Mayor Cleaver's line, it was touristy frou-frou. Okay. I thought it was too small to make a difference, and so it wasn't a wise expenditure. Madam, we're ready for you. Thank you, and thank you guys for your time today. Um, houselessness is a growing problem in Kansas City over the years, and 
I was wondering in your administrations if, um, like, what did you learn when it came to addressing houselessness? Um, what worked, what didn't work, what do you think needs to happen? The problem is, is that to some extent, there is a tide that we do not have a big enough wall to stop called the economy. As people are disaffected by the economy, do not have the money to exist, housing prices go higher and higher, there's going to be more people on the street. Secondly, a lot of issues relate to mental issues, mental health issues, which, for which we do absolutely nothing in this country. We do not do a very good job on addiction, uh, which is also a problem. And we tend to want to just pass over it. It ain't us, so I don't care. They become faceless, nameless people that bother us when you get to the street corner. At the end of the day, there are things that can be done, but it requires that we sit down and form a coalition and be willing to dedicate the resources to do it. And when there's competition for money, there's a whole lot of people that say, don't spend I, it I'm there. I'm just going to say, you were mayor for eight years. So why was that so tricky to accomplish when you were there? Well, we actually did dedicate some resources to it. We just didn't have enough resources to do it. I mean, you, you got to remember, the federal government and the state government create a lot of problems that come to live in the cities, and we're left to kind of find a way to deal with it. But they don't give us any money to do it. What, what Sly said about the economy, I mean, the wages have been stagnant in this country for since like 73, 75. So if you look at what wages have done, and then you look at what rents and so forth, if the supply of housing is not increasing, and if wages, it, it, what, what you have when you have homelessness and affordable housing problems, you have a huge gap between what people can afford and what is available. So there's less and less uh, ability. So that's, it's as much, deal, you know, um, see Kevin O'Neill here on the front row, a union guy. We need more unions. We need more collective bargaining. We need salaries to go up, and they go up when people are unionized. That's, it's as much a, a bring the salaries up as it is bring the housing costs down. The state cut our low-income tax, our low-income housing tax credits dramatically, which affected our ability to do low-income housing. And once that happens, it's hard to get a developer and say, come build us some low-income housing, and that's okay. Take a loss on it. That's not happening. We're ready for you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Um, so this is a question surrounding definitions. Um, I heard y'all use the word revitalization a lot, but it was usually towards like shiny buildings like the Sprint Center or the stadiums or things like this. And these are things that I can't afford because I'm poor, I'm broke. And so in the name of Kansas City's poor, I wonder what does the word revitalization actually mean to you? Revitalization is multifaceted. It includes everything that's been brought up this evening, and it does include economic investment. It does include addressing as directly and completely as possible homelessness, other forms of poverty, relationships. The complexity can be overwhelming, but that for me is revitalization. Uh, it's, it covers virtually everything. The, the big fancy buildings get a lot of press. What doesn't get as much attention publicly is just the day-to-day -day pounding away at some of these uh, issues that are chronic. 
I, I remember, Mayor Barnes, when you first got elected, you came on our program. You were, we were doing a debate program, and you were the back-to-basics mayor. You wanted to focus on those basic services. When you were running for re-election, you then said that, because then we were doing the sprint centers in the power and light districts, that actually the public actually likes all of these big, big splashy developments. And so when they may say they want basic services, they're judging you on those kinds of projects. Well, you don't get adequate basic services if you don't have economic engines to generate the money to go into the city coffers to address those services. So it's, they're not mutually exclusive. It's circular, it's constant, and it has to be addressed at every point on the circle. People need to stop thinking about these things as zero-sum games. They're not zero-sum games. You, I mean, a lot of people focus exactly like Mayor Barnes said, on the big shiny baubles in front of them. But I didn't see that many people at the groundbreakings in the neighborhood and we were doing revitalized housing. I didn't see that people at, at uh, 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 the neighborhoods that we went into and tore down all the vacant properties. We spent several million dollars, took it out of the budget and started. And fortunately, we had great partners like uh, Kissick and others who came and tore down vacant properties so that we could do it. I didn't hear anybody talking big time about the program that we put together where you could buy a house for a dollar as long as you fixed it up within two years and it was yours. Didn't hear all of that. So this is not a zero-sum game. We cannot, I don't think people understand how complex this city is. This is not like you take one piece here and you put one piece there and all of a sudden you got a puzzle put together. It's very intricate, it's very interrelated, and it's very needy, and there's never, ever enough money to do what you want to do. And whatever you try to do, there's always a percentage of the people who are going to complain about you trying to do it. Sir, we're ready for your question. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Mayors, for giving the public opportunity to ask questions. Um, so I'm speaking as somebody who's going to be soon expecting uh, their first child and wondering what the world's going to be like when my child is... <laughs> thinking about what the world, what Kansas City is going to be like when my ch child is my age. Kansas City, as you all no noted, has a problematic history with systemic racism, including environmental racism. Just this past quarter, uh, your colleagues here bravely uh, centering, addressing its environmental race and passed a climate protection plan, but that's already unpopular and folks are trying to water it down. How important is for this council and community stakeholders to forge ahead to ensure that it is fully implemented so that we can all have a city where our children can thrive. Thank you very much, sir. I think climate is one of the major issues of this lifetime. We should stand firm on the climate initiatives. We could in should increase the climate initiative. We should be aggressive and maybe just a little bit pushy about making sure that we have clean air, clean water, and a place where kids can grow up in the next hundred years and still breathe without an oxygen mask. Matt Funkhauser. Well, the climate deniers, I think, are, 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 are losing. They're farther and farther behind. There are more and more people who get it, that this thing has to be dealt with, and, and they're doing it. So I feel hopeful for, you know, when your kids are coming, it's going to be cleaner. It, it's cleaner now than it was 20 or 30 years ago. 
My question is also regarding homelessness, which I call the great hot potato issue in our metro, in our region. Um, who do you believe is responsible for delivering on solutions for our houseless crisis in Kansas City? Is it City Hall? Is it the county? Who is it? And if, and if Congressman Cleaver is on, I would love his thoughts as well. He's fixing the world's calamity <laughs> of the debt ceiling right now. So there he's got go. a, a little bit more bigger fish to fry. But Mark Funkhauser can answer that question for you. Uh, what, what I would tell you is that, that City Hall and the mayor are going to be held accountable for that. So it's not something they can duck. You know, uh, Ralph Becker was a pretty good mayor of uh, Salt Lake City and he lost a bid for re-election, and the issue was he hadn't done enough about homelessness. Now, where it's, where it's working across the country a little bit better, and it's not working well anywhere, but it's working a little bit better, is when a city and county form a coalition and work together, because a lot of times the county has the kind of social services that the city doesn't necessarily deliver. The county has mental health, the county has health services, when those things are linked together, it works well. Are you proposing that Kansas City consolidate with Jackson County government, Mayor Funkhauser? Well, that would be a fine idea, but if we don't do that, let's at least form a coalition or a partnership on homelessness. I want to end with this, because all of you have expressed frustration about the limitations of the mayor's power. Now that you're out of office, what change, if any, do you think Kansas City should consider that would make government in Kansas City operate more efficiently, Mayor Bonds? I think it's much more about who the people are in office than it is about any particular mechanisms that might be changed. So the quality of candidates, the quality of office holders, I mentioned earlier uh, the passion that individuals need to have. Public service is what it's all about. It's not about being a politician. So I'm more interested in quality of candidates and office holders than any particular mechanisms. After you left office, Mayor Funkhauser, you said everyone has enough power to dead end any improvements, but no one has enough power at City Hall to make things go anywhere. How, how do you think Kansas City could fix that? What change could they make? The gap between the responsibility of the mayor and the actual authority of the mayor is still way too large, you know, and, and something has to, has to uh, bridge that gap. What change would you make? I would probably make it so that the, uh, well, my big fight was with the city manager. I would want to make sure that the mayor had the city manager that he or she wanted, regardless. Mayor James, you said um, you got blamed for everything that goes wrong, but the mayor, quote, doesn't actually have any authority except through powers of persuasion or a temper tantrum. Um, would you, that now that you're out of office, yeah. would you propose a change to how City Hall operates that would actually make Two things work better? Two things. Number one, recognize that we already have term limits. It's called election day. You don't need sure. term limits. Yep, yep. Because if you could stay there long enough, you might actually be able to move the needle. But when you're gone, every time there's a change in administration, there's a change in direction. Every single time. You cannot get any place zigzagging back and forth. Number two, executive order. Give the mayor the power to have limited executive orders where you can write something to be done with a pen and without having to go through all the rigmarole. And it's subject, to, it's subject to referendum or whatever, but let them do some things without having to work five years to get things done. And you have been watching 
the four mayors of Kansas City, Kay Barnes, Sly James, Mark Funkhauser, and earlier, Emmanuel Cleaver, still trying to work on that debt ceiling limit in Washington, D.C. And to our fifth panelist, you, thank you for providing your energy to this hour, too. I'm Nick Haynes from all of us at Kansas City PBS and our project partners, the Kansas City Library and the Citizens Association. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.